0: And treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb Magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens.
2: The Around the NFL Podcast is working for the weekend.
3: You know we are. Welcome to a Christmas Eve edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. Scattered across the Southland, I'm Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler. Greg Rosenthal. Yes, twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. I wish I prepared a line here that would have rhymed and it would have been cool, but I didn't. <laughs> all I could tell you is daddy's got a lot of work to do upstairs. Santa's coming. Uh, but the NFL sleeps for no one and nothing, including baby Jesus. And so here we are mm. to give you a recap of everything that happened on the Saturday of... Week sixteen. This is what we went with Gravedigger.
4: It's called Holiday Beats.
3: Yeah, this—I don't know. I was looking for something a little more traditional. This is a uh, Christmas in Hollis knockoff. This is like the In Sync Christmas album. <laughs> this is pretty traditional
5: here. Uh, I can go with this.
3: Anyway, let's let's talk. You guys, how did you enjoy the football? Everybody working from home today is where, uh, the big holiday approaches.
6: I, I loved it. I, I think, you know, it's, it got tiresome working from home during Corona, obviously, and it's nice to be able to do both. But I just had a couple nice cups of coffee, uh, you know, making some breakfast, walking around in less clothing than I would normally. Uh, It was fantastic. And I'll I'll tell you something else
1: you can feel,
6: um, that a big chunk of these teams are reaching the end. There's a very distinct feel to me for like Christmas week football, is really you're starting to say goodbye to some of these teams and it's about time. And others are rising up and I enjoy them too.
3: And you don't have to talk about the Titans like that, Mark. Come on. Justin is, is here. That is rude on well, this. Not my Justin intention, Graver, but, it's it. but it's Christmas accurate. Eve. Says the guy in
5: the jet sweater. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Mark's not wrong, so
4: jet, whatever. Jets
5: are alive. <laughs> jets are alive, and yeah, I mean it's it's a big night. Um, who knows if Santa's gonna come? I was when I was at your house, Dan, last week. I liked how you wielded Santa's uh, potential coming or not over your kids like a scepter. Uh, I like to oh, see yeah. the daddy I mean, hands you're not, is really laying down. You the haven't wall figured
3: with out how to do the dad thing until you could weaponize Santa and and <laughs> have the children's behavior molded as a result. I mean, my boys want Nintendo Switch. You know what? They're probably getting Nintendo Switch in reality. In fact, I know they are. It's in the house. I hope they don't listen
5: to this on YouTube. But,
3: however, uh, if they were to, I don't know, burn down the living room tonight, there will be no Nintendo Switch in the morning. So they need to take this thing across the goal line, as it were.
6: I don't know if that's the goal with Santa as a parent. I see what you're doing, and I think it's very effective. But to turn him into sort of a menacing... Uh, deal breaker uh, is maybe it's a, it's a
3: new way to, it's a new approach. Hey, listen, you, you take care of business in your home, Mark. I'll take care of mine in my house. It's a house of fear. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Let's get into the games. We're going to do 10 games today. Uh, we're going to leave the Sunday night game or the Saturday. This is annoying. The Saturday night, Christmas Eve game. We're going to hit that and the three Christmas games Monday morning. So stay tuned for that. Uh, right now we're gonna hit all the early and late afternoon games starting with the game of the week and dare I say in the running for game of the year let's head to Jarrow World where the Dallas Cowboys look to keep their NFC East hopes alive against the Eagles fourth down and 10 Minshew back four man rush here they come he heaves it
2: back into the end zone the ball's on the ground incomplete The Cowboy defense was equal to the task that time. The Cowboys are going to take it over with 14 seconds left.
3: And that was... Ooh, bongos to start a Christmas Eve gift for the Cowboys and their fans. And I endorse it. Because the Dallas Cowboys fell behind 10 points early. They fell behind 10 points again. I believe it was 27-17 at one point in this game. But... They turn multiple Philadelphia turnovers into points uh, and win 40-34 after getting, yes, that stop on the final play, uh, fourth down and long for Gardner Minshew, who played very well in the place of Jalen Hurts, who might not even be back next week. Keep an eye on that. But in the here and now, Minshew moved the ball against the Dallas defense but Greg, when Mike McCarthy made the decision near the goal line on the other end to kick the field goal, he said to his own defense, don't let them score a touchdown. It got a little hairy there, but they got the stop their 11 and they're 11-4 as a result.
5: It got real hairy. He trusted his defense who did not play that well except for the turnovers, although that's a big except for, and except for those last few plays, although that's the, the big except for because a team that, had a Golston in this game, the Dallas Cowboys that is no quarterback hits, no sacks kind of crazy in, in that uh, many plays. Peter, I believe is another one to look at. You could, you could go with, uh, they get the pressure there back to back plays on third and fourth down third down. It was Parsons who helped force a fumble uh, earlier in the fourth quarter. And then fourth down the interior push gets Minshew to let go of the ball. I hate when a team clocks it like Minshew did there with 30 seconds to go. I, I, think if Jalen Hurts was in there, they might have a play called and and not waste that down. But big ups to the Cowboys defense. They've been a defense team all year, and they made the big plays there.
6: And, I mean, you mentioned the turnovers. I In a game like this, where both teams were just sort of at different junctures, marching up and down the field, it felt insane to me. It, it just became one of those games where it's like you just trusted it would come down to the end. But the turnovers, um, they weren't getting a lot of pass rush. But J. J. Ron Curse, like that first interception, he had leaping over a wide receiver, Led to a touchdown. Uh, the fumble of Minshew led to a touchdown. The Duran Bland pick led to a field goal. So that's 17 points. That's the difference right there. And I mean, I, Minshew otherwise, and I, you know, not to overrate who he is, but if you if you take away the the take the turnovers, like his box score looked a lot like a lot of Jalen Hurts box scores, 350 something plus yards. Both wide receivers went for 100 plus. He just didn't operate on the ground that way, but he did have that big, you know, fourth and one push as well. I thought Minshew. I mean. I know that they're not in must-win territory, but he can sneak them a win next week, no problem. I mean, they came very close to taking this.
3: I thought, yeah, I thought it was, you know, I thought Dallas really uh, left the door open on each of their last two possessions with some suspect play calling and decision-making uh, by Dak on their final possession where he went out of bounds on a scramble, on a first-down scramble uh, at 2:01 on the clock, which stopped the clock, and then with a essentially uh, one more snap before the two-minute warning instead of throwing it out of the back of the end zone. He takes a nine-yard sack, which allows not only uh, the Eagles to get that stop and give them one more chance after the field goal, it also allowed Philadelphia to preserve a timeout and uh, put them in much better position. Um, I thought it was interesting, the quarterbacks uh, in this game. Like you said, Minchu was very good. He wasn't perfect, uh, and they made him pay for it when he wasn't perfect. He threw two interceptions. He could have thrown a third, but he also made a lot of big throws in this game. And right before the crucial Miles Sanders fumble uh, on the penultimate drive for Philadelphia, um, I was saying to my dad, Keith, who we were watching the game together, I was like, I don't know if Minshew's going to lead them down the field here, but this guy is not scared. And it was kind of a bummer to see the situation get taken out of his hands there. Uh, But he did get one more chance. And and Greg, on the Dak side of things that, Early on in the first possession, a pick six, and you're thinking, oh my God, are they really going to you know blow this game with Hurts on the sideline? But he played really well. Some of those mental blunders at the end of the game, but in general, I thought he really played excellent football.
5: He was 24 for 24 when the Eagles played zone defense for 300 yards and three touchdowns. To me, the there biggest play of the game was the... 52-yarder to T.Y. Hilton. Third and 30. It had been two years since any team had hit a third down when it was third and 30. T.Y. Hilton is back in our life. And Dak, when he throws a pretty ball, to me, it's for some reason, it's just prettier than other people. Like the CD Lamb pass over the middle, too, uh, that was big in the game. Like, But that throw to Hilton on third and 30, which led to points, was part of an awesome performance. Other than the pick six, he was incredible. They they got a little lucky falling on the three uh, fumbles. They recovered all three fumbles in this game, but it, Dak deserved it. it. It just shows you, though, defenses are a little overrated. It's like neither one of these defenses could get a stop. There was one punt in this game.
6: Yeah, I, do. I am concerned. I want to see what's going on with Lane Johnson. He left the game went into the tent, and you know he was a little banged up last week too. So that's a major development for the Eagles. But I'm with you on Dak. I mean, I think he hit, what, 16 straight throws after that pick six? I mean, and when he's on and this offense functions with him completely flipped on, like the Cowboys are pretty unstoppable. So it's like, I guess for me, the hope is that like if they meet again, you get this version of Dallas because this was sort of Dallas. I mean, they weren't perfect, but they were operating. I thought that they were not scared of the moment. The run game wasn't even as good as it's been in other games today. And they still, they put up a ton of points. And so it's, it makes me hopeful that Dallas doesn't melt away in the playoffs as I feel like I've seen 37 times in my life.
3: Yeah, I still, <laughs> they still give me that feeling of a team that, that could do that. And like I'm saying, some of the, the mental mistakes and some of the play callings, like it was – are the Cowboys when the rubber meets the road in the crucible of the playoffs going to do the right things to win big games against top teams. We shall see. But one thing we do know on Thursday, when we're previewing this game, if they got got beat by Minshew, um, Mm. they're going to, they feel really fraudulent. Um, And the fact that they took care of business here, they are coasting now to the playoffs and still in the mix here. And we wait to see where Jalen hurts is physically and how the Eagles Proceed there, but they still need one win in two games or a Dallas loss, and they will take the one seed. Philadelphia will. Should we keep moving, boys? I mean, it is Christmas Eve. Yes. Oh, who locked it up? Who locked it up? Oh, I'm sorry, everybody.
4: In a surprise move and a late twi- Twitter lock, the Wessling Bros locked the Cowboys.
3: Yeah, nice. Oh, okay. Did they not get their initial lock in under the, uh, ahead of the Thursday preview? Nope. We seem to have deadlines Nick, in place at this point.
4: Yeah, Nick was a little busy, so you never know what's oh, going won't. on in the zoo. Yeah, you never know. It could have been a
5: gorilla on the loose, you know. Hopefully, they're they listening. They are hosting uh, LaKeisha and Link in Cincinnati, so that's you the know place what? I hope they're, they're not, not listening. I hope they're having a wonderful <laughs> time together, sitting around the hearth. Uh, Merry Christmas to the
3: Westlings and the uh, LaKeisha, Link, everybody, and all the brothers and everybody. All right, let's keep moving now. Let's head to the, I was going to say the Metrodome. It is no longer the Metrodome. It's a beautiful, gleaming temple to football, U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Vikings look to continue their insane winning ways in one-score games. Of course, against the Giants, it had to come down to the last play.
2: 61-yard try, right hash. Snap spot. Joseph with a big leg. And Merry Christmas!
3: I mean, we live in a world now, and that's Paul Allen, by the way, K-F-A-N, you heard Brad Sham, the Sham God before, uh, where a kicker that's not even known as necessarily, you know, a big time kicker, Greg Joseph, can just smoke a 61 yard field goal at the gun. I think that's one of the most underappreciated aspects of how pro football has changed, Mark Sessler, even since you and I joined the company way back in 2010. The kicking game is outrageous, and that's why it's celebrated on this show. Greg Joseph, 61, bang, right down the middle, and the Vikings beat the Giants 27-24. Prevents New York from clinching a playoff spot. Vikings already locked up the north. And this was another feel-good win for a team mark that is 11-0 in one-score games, and they could thank the kicker for that.
6: I mean, it was just days ago. On the Thursday show where we were kind of challenging the Vikings for, you know, maybe once this season, just win a big game, but make it, you know, take the drama out of it. How about the zero drama element and just go do it and become a playoff team? And instead, uh, you know, this is naturally how they are. This is their DNA. This is woven into their bloodstream. And I thought it was just incredible to watch. Once again, the idea that they they didn't top last week, but it's just like another version of the madness that unfolded last week. And every other week, they're historically this team. No no other team has done this. And I do think the thing is that I believe in is like Justin Jefferson setting the single... Single season record today. T.J. Hawkinson, who they traded for, like that's totally completely worked. Like he had what 13 catches for 100 plus today and two touchdowns. I just think it's a it's a nod to the entire coaching staff that he melded right into the offense and has been a big difference maker in some of these huge games that have come down to the last second.
5: Yeah, with two minutes left in the game, this Vikings team is is the best team ever. They're as focused as Mark Sessler, you know, reading the highlights while cats are. Climbing all over him and in the background, if you check it out on YouTube, he is locked in. And he's a they cat have now. Man. That's a professional. He's not a cat lady, he's a cat man. I wouldn't they, say that. <laughs> they have uh, won more games in the final minute than any team in the history of the NFL. Six. They have won more one possession games than any hit team in the history of the NFL. Uh, Eleven. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> I, and. And people can just keep on
3: pounding the table, myself included, for regression. But maybe the regression comes next year. Maybe regression isn't even a thing. I don't know. But 11-0 and 0 in one-score games is crazy. The only reason it got to this point, um, I thought when, when the Vikings, because you know the way these coaches are now with the analytics, I thought when the Vikings had a chance uh, when they scored the touchdown to go up seven, I thought they were gonna go for two and win the game. If they get two, they're up nine. Instead they kick the extra point. They're mm. up eight points. And that left the door open for Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the Giants, and a drive that ends with a twenty-seven yard touchdown run right up the gut on fourth and two with two oh one to play. Jones follows with a two point conversion. It's the Minnesota defense is not good. And we could we could we could apologize for doubting Minnesota. We can we could pump Vikings fans to puff out their chest and say you can't argue with results. I mean, we're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. But you see week after week that you can move the ball on the Vikings. And Daniel Jones looking like Phil Sims in Super Bowl Twenty One here was just the latest example of it. Um, so that's not ever going to get better for the Vikings, but their ability to make big plays, and I was saying it to Keith today, TJ Hawkinson, great addition there. He's been a perfect... Uh, uh, his role is perfect and it filled a void for them. But Justin Jefferson, every time this team needs a play down the stretch, that guy is there. And I know he's not going to win MVP, but take a look at every big drive when they've had all these dramatic wins. How many times has Jefferson made one of the big plays or the big play? And that's been a major difference. It's him. He is him.
5: And I Put think him also, on the MVP list, I oh, believe he should be there.
6: He absolutely is MVP worthy. I, I know it, he won't get it probably because I think he's already like the. But same now league. they
5: do the top five. I think to me he would be three or four on my personal list. So you could Maybe get this votes, year is a least. little different too because yeah.
3: nobody. You're not going to give it to Cousins because usually when the wide receiver has a massive year, you give it to his quarterback. But Cousins doesn't fall into that category. Maybe this is the year where a wide wideout could sneak in and take that trophy. But uh, he certainly deserves it. I just see. I could see
6: voters splitting their votes to some degree where MVP goes. Mahomes, but offensive player of the year heat that Jefferson dominates that vote. I just I just wonder if that's how that could play out. Um, I mean, I one Giants thing about this because I don't know what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. I think he's been better than advertised in a lot of these games. He's he's had high profile gaffes, but really for the most part, like he I think he threw his first pick in weeks and weeks. This this. This week, and like he's playing, he's throwing to Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, and Darius Slayton. There's just very little around him, and to even see the Giants in some of these games, I mean, it helped to see Barkley play better today than he that slump he was in. But um, I feel like this is a sinking balloon, and we're just catching on the way down. Hmm. Yeah, I I think Jones yeah, I disagree helped. with that.
3: I didn't. What, th- th- I saw a- the- I thought the Giants played well in this game, and I think they had 445 yards of offense. Uh, 334 through the air uh, through Jones and their defense is not good enough to get stops against this Vikings offense in a big spot but they also I thought in general uh, this was a back and forth game that they they, ju- they lose on a 61 yard field goal on the road uh, I think the Giants are going to make the playoffs especially with Washington not being able to pull off an upset today and I think I would not be surprised if they're in another very close game down the stretch because I think they've refound themselves a little bit when they were in that slump before the Washington game. I think they're going to hang around and be a tough out every week.
6: Well, I think they're going to probably – I could I could see a high like percentage likeliness that they play the Vikings again in the playoffs and but you know that i be I a guess close game. I'm saying like I just think if you run into a Niners team or the Eagles oh. again this Giants team to me sure. is like are they going to sneak it in the playoffs yes like I was on the side of wanting them to be fun and joyful and it's like they're a bit fraudulent uh but they are what they are and like I do get I do still think they've been well coached from wire to wire this entire season like it is a win for Brian Dayball
5: yeah the results for uh week 16 uh spoiler alert is gonna help uh, the Giants' chances of making the playoffs. So they lose this game because the Cowboys won. The Cowboys all but assured themselves of getting that five seed versus the six. Uh, but Giants are are much less likely to fall out of this. And the Vikings are still alive here for the two seed. They are the two seed. And that that really does make a big difference. So that's something that them and the 49ers are playing for down the stretch.
3: All right, let's uh, move on. Now, speaking of the 49ers, they welcomed those commanders into their building and you know, they just suffocate their opponents. It happened again.
2: Purdy under center. Toss gonna fake it and roll to his left and will throw wide open. Kittle underneath. 20, block, 10, 5. George Kittle, touchdown again. Touchdown! San Francisco! What action there by Brock Purdy? Brockett well, and rolling, baby, on the keeper. He's gonna hold this football as long as he can.
3: Man, brockin' and rolling is some real dad (laughs) energy. I'm in, though. Greg Papa and Tim Ryan with the call, KNBR. They're inevitable, these 49ers right now. Brock Purdy threw two more touchdown passes to George Kittle, and the Niners take out the Commanders 37-20. That's eight straight wins for San Francisco. And Greg, uh, Purdy is now 3-0, Uh, since taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not doing it alone. The whole team is playing well right now, but he has fit in nicely, and they are just rolling.
5: Yeah, I think this was perfect for them because they were really tested offensively. I know they had big scores where Kittle got wide open and Shanahan coming out of halftime really picked on the linebacker situation and created some mismatches that that Kittle took advantage of. But before that, they were were struggling to move the ball, Uh, and I think that was good because Purdy had to make plays under pressure. They got unlucky with an interception that Juwan uh, Jennings dropped, uh, and they were tested, I think, by a a playoff-caliber defense. It's not a playoff-caliber offense for Washington, but it's a playoff-caliber defense deep defense and so they were tested but in the second half it was just like downhill they had four out of five possessions in the second half that started in 49ers territory uh because heineke kept turning it over and there was a special in there was another um special teams play and so they just kept getting the ball. It honestly could have been a 50-burger in this game because they were stopped uh, on short drives in Washington territory so many times in the second half.
6: Yeah, like when we talk about, you know, maybe defense doesn't matter in that Philly-Dallas game, and and you're right, um, in that situation, like the Niners' defense keeps mattering week to week. I thought they completely... Uh, turned Tom Brady's season into total darkness a couple weeks ago. They basically unplugged Geno Smith a week ago. I mean, kind of changing that narrative, the, w- the way we viewed Geno Smith changed. and they just got Terrell Heineke benched. I mean, it's like they, they're, that early goal line stand that they had, which flipped around into the Ray Ray McLeod 71-yard sweep with a great block by Christian McCaffrey. It's like, their stops turn into points and like they had the same thing. I thought the fourth and one stop of Heineke when it was 14 to seven and then bang seconds later, it's 21 seven because Purdy is, you know, overcomes the interception completely data wipes that from his memory and mind melds with George Kittle, which he did for the rest of the game. Then they've got a strip sack and an interception. They just like, to your point, Greg, it was just downhill. They never stopped. And Washington is a very compromised team. They kind of remind me of the giants in the sense that they're little things you like, but if you get caught into the bad game flow and you start to get behind, I don't really trust Washington to work their way out of it, and I don't really care if that's Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke, at quarterback.
3: I kind of hated the, uh, I understand everyone's aggressive all the time now, uh, but that decision by Riverboat Ron, uh, fourth and one at his own 34. It's like you got to convert Heineke's. it. If you're gonna, you got to do it. I mean, I, you better love your quarterback and trust your offense, uh, because against this team, if you don't get it, Guess what? You don't get it. And then two plays later, it's twenty one seven. And I know then Washington came back and, and scored again. And you give him credit for that uh, to keep the game interesting. But that to me, the game felt over at that point. And a couple of things that jump out to me, Greggy, um, we haven't talked. I feel like we haven't talked about Nick Bosa a ton on on the show this year. Or maybe I'm just forgetting it, but he's been a beast this year. He definitely deserves serious consideration for defensive player of the year. He's up to 17 and a half sacks. Now he had two sacks and a forced fumble in this game. And then the other part of it, obviously Carson Wentz replaces Heineke. And um, I would anticipate Greggy that Carson Wentz stays in the lineup now because it just felt like riverboat had an itchy trigger this whole time with Taylor.
5: Yeah. It's funny. Cause I think Heineke was so lucky all season playing poorly and getting by and this was the reverse. I thought he played a, a good first half. You know, they get stuffed on the goal line where Fred Warner makes a great play in the running game or else the Washington could have been up 14-7. Uh, Heineke made a number of good throws and in, in good decisions. And then two quick turnovers in a row, which uh, one came on the Bosa strip sack, which I don't know if that was really on Heineke and then an interception. And Wentz came in and played well. he In one drive he had like the most Carson wentz stuff happen, making a miraculous play as he's falling to his knees that turns into 25 yards. A total dime for a touchdown, but also had what should have been a turnover uh, by Wentz too, but he got the touchdown, got another uh, good drive after that, and my guess is you're right. They play the Browns next week. They are still in position for the playoffs, but only half a game up, so it's it's wide open for that seven spot. They have the Browns and the Cowboys to finish up. And uh, the one good thing I I think they get Chase Young back, and he made a difference in this game. He looked good. He wasn't coming off an injury looking bad. So that's one thing to be happy
6: the about. They also today. have a star in Jahan Dotson. I mean, they, they really have weapons because if it's him and McLaurin, like... And I the one thing I'd say about Heineke that was different than Wentz when he came in for the first kind of month of Heineke for all the issues, he had great chemistry with McLaurin. Like, the splits were completely different. And then they they've just become such a ball-possession ground team. That's what they want to be, and they couldn't do that today to some degree. But I, like... I, I, I know we don't care about this, but I would love to know what the majority of the locker room um, thinks about Wentz in there over Heineke, the person. I just do. I just have a sense that there's Carson Wentz seems to have struggled to attach himself to a locker room everywhere he's gone.
5: Heineke slammed his helmet down uh, when he was taken out of the lineup and w- was seen arguing with Rivera. And just one quick thing. Dan, I think you're right. I think Bosa probably won the defensive player of the year today, um, just the way the Cowboys' defense has fallen apart and the way Bosa's playing. Yeah, I think Heineke is a guy that is liked in that locker room, but if the coach doesn't
3: think he's a, a good quarterback, it's it makes sense why they would look to Wentz as a spark here. And here is speaking of Wentz, uh, what was that thing Colleen did on Tuesday? Was she like simmed all of the holiday films, or she somebody did and she was reading? Yeah, it? like
6: like, it, like a a a sim watched like a thousand hours of Hallmark esque holiday f- films and created its own R- script.
3: This, this this quote from Carson Wentz feels like a sim, like they uploaded every Taylor Heineke pass ever into Wentz and then a reporter stuck a recorder in his face. I th- this is Carson Wentz on Heineke's first half. I thought he played well. I thought he was dealing. I thought Taylor played well. Obviously, the way the game ended was strange the way ended. <laughs> That's from Nikki Javala. Jihabala
5: He's so afraid to uh, offend anyone, and I don't—I don't blame him at this point.
2: As we all, all right, know, let's... decided to really go ahead and uh, start to take command.
3: He Not will. too late,
5: Carson. Not too late.
3: And I, Greg, the, the calculators, we go to our first break. It's Washington needs to win their last two games. The Giants need to lose their last two games. Does that sound about right? No, about I mean, ties Was- and things.
5: Washington's in the playoffs right now. So they're trying to hold off uh, Detroit and Seattle and Green Bay. And oh, they're that's ha- right. half a game up uh, going into the final. Two. Man,
3: NFC got real sloppy in the back of that wild card race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here I am thinking Washington was cooked, but they are very much alive. So Wentz has a big opportunity for some personal redemption. Let's take a break and we will roll on.
7: So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now is the time to accelerate innovation.
0: T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace see what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at t slash now view 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
1: whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years have a plan and know the game be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose take a break And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services.
3: All right, we're back. In case you're just joining us, it's Christmas Eve, and we're talking football because we can't get enough, baby. (laughs) Uh, all right, let's move on. San Francisco takes care of business. Uh, how about the Cincinnati Bengals who are rolling themselves and they have the Patriots up next and what felt like a blowout turned into something entirely different.
2: Mac Jones waiting for the shotgun snap. Hands it off. Stevenson stacked up, going backward. Ball, tackled. ball, ball. Ball's the ball out. is out. It's out the Bengals, Bengals are celebrating. They have it. Turnover time. They've got it. Turnover the Bengals time. have yeah. recovered the turnover. Ball. That should be coffin nails. Bam! Bam! Bam!
3: Oh my goodness. Greg, if I didn't hate the Patriots so much, I would feel bad for them. These last 2 weeks have been insane. All uh, right, throw that Vikings game in there too. Uh that was Oh my was Thanksgiving. goodness. Dan Horde and Dave Lapham with the call, WCKY. Here's the breakdown here, and this is one of my games. Um, The Bengals absolutely dismantle the Patriots in the first half in Foxborough. It is 22-0 at half. I believe the first downs between the teams, uh, I believe the number was 22 for Cincinnati and 3 for New England. My wrong. It, It was that ugly. And then... The Patriots do what the Patriots do. They pick up a defensive score, a pick six. And all of a sudden, like, all right. And they miss the extra point. It's 22-6. And then all of a sudden, the the Cincinnati offense goes totally cold. Um, After Joe Burrow threw three touchdown passes and the Bengals offense just did whatever they wanted in bad conditions in New England, they go cold. Meanwhile... On third and forever from midfield, Mac Jones throws up a prayer that gets swatted from one hand into Jacoby Myers' hands for a touchdown, and now they're within uh, 10 points. They kick a field goal, and then all of a sudden they have the ball after a turnover fight by Jamar Chase, the Patriots do, and they're going down the field only for Stevenson to fumble the football inside the 10 when it looked like the Patriots were going to have one of the more unlikely um wins of the year after the most unlikely loss so in the end it was a crushing um, loss for new england final score was 22 18. so new england has a chance to uh, really stay in the mix in the afc playoff uh, race instead they're in a lot of trouble now cincinnati's winning streak extends even though you're not feeling too hot about after you watch the last two quarters
6: i mean or or the first two quarters against the bucks last week where tampa bay looked um you know playoff ready all of a sudden before falling off a cliff i think zach taylor said it like when you're up 22 nothing 15 nothing you got to find a way to like put these teams away if you want to be a super bowl team and i i kind of i they're not a team i worry about slump wise i think burrows turnovers occasionally like today caused a big problem for them and like but but who do you trust more to work themselves out of it uh i mean they've essentially off new england at this point Uh, I cannot I do find from a New England side that if you look at the way the last minute of the last two games finished or the last 10 seconds, it's mistake prone. um, It looks disjointed. It's very un-Belichickian. And it's an odd, strange end to a season that started this morning with rumors that Bill O'Brien might return as the offensive coordinator (laughs) next season. The funny thing is, it's like I'm thinking
5: as a Patriots fan, it's like, oh, great. I would love a Bill O'Brien at this point. (laughs) Like, that would help. Yeah. Uh, now that said, they were so close to what would have been like a stirring victory and I didn't hate their strategy at the end. They were trying to make the Bengals burn timeouts. They were running the ball well. It was the only two minutes of the game I watched, I'll admit, is the end. So I got that dagger right right at the end. And <laughs> that probably should be a forward progress, um, like blown dead. I think that was, that's a pretty clear call in most situations Uh, and they answered it after the game saying they just thought he still had his legs uh, moving but that's that's not what forward progress is about once you're moving backwards and you're held for like three straight yards they'll call that but that's that's been this Patriot season I think all the good fortune the Patriots have had uh, for 20 years it's like they're it's cashing in the other way this year just pile it up all in one year
3: well if it it makes you I don't want to worry you Greg but if that's the theory that's actually taking hold Think, imagine being a fan of a team of, that hates the Patriots and feeling like that happened for twenty straight years. So, well, maybe it, it will for you the could Patriots have now. More.
5: Well, here's one thing um, in your favor here: the Patriots would have knocked out uh, the Jets uh, with a win here if, if Stevenson had
3: had won that game. Uh,
5: but I know, didn't. and it felt, in, <laughs>
3: and also not for nothing, but old Zeuser locked up the Bengals. And it's twenty-two nothing, and I'm I'm coasting to the finish line, and then all of a sudden this game gets totally bizarre and wacky, and uh, it did feel like they had the Bengals right where they wanted. They had them on their heels. They're running the ball really well, and Stevenson. And it's just a kind of a snapshot of their season in general. The frustration um, of New England to just take do the type of things that we we kind of just expected them to do, uh, but you you saw another. Defensive score, like I said, Marcus Jones. um, It was Marcus Jones, right? Who had the pick six? Marcus Jones. History. That was a beautiful play by Marcus Jones, who not only picked it off, he then tight tight tightrope down the sideline for the touchdown. Kendrick Bourne makes a beautiful catch in this game. Mac Jones didn't do a lot here, but he made a few throws. So it all it was kind of a rip your heart out loss for New England Um, and for the Bengals. It's one of those things. Like I don't know what happened here, but we did win. Just like last week, they don't know what happened in the first half either. And Mark, I guess the question is, do you? Does that make you nervous that four of their last eight quarters have been terrible, or does it make you feel more confident that you came out of both of those games with wins? Well, you know, I, mean, I
6: it. it doesn't. It doesn't concern me. I, not that I, you know, and brushing it rushing it off is nothing, but. Their slumps are different than other teams' slumps. I think the Bills, we could say, you know, they, they didn't lose during their slump. And the Bengals are finding ways to win these games. I, to me, it's like this is, this is part of the road map that you go through. And I just look at one thing about New England. Like, I feel like there's a, this is a theme this year of a couple of really good defenses that got completely hung out to dry by their offenses. I think of New England, cause it's been a really well coached defense and been typical for most of the season. And like Denver, it's like these defensive players, the mm. text threads must be absolutely on fire with what they're dealing with uh, from the offensive side of the ball. I would love to read them. I think they'd be very spicy.
5: <laughs> I, I would too. Marcus Jones quickly is the first player, uh, or the second player in NFL history to have a career 40-yard uh, catch, punt return, and uh, interception return. The only other person in NFL history to ever do that is Deion Sanders. And Marcus is already, Marcus Jones has already done it as a rookie. Not just, you know, this is talking about entire career. He had a big uh, catch on, on offense, too. And your lock sound there, Dan, um, reminds me of when we started this lock competition Six years ago. I, I went back and listened to the last time uh, we did a Christmas Eve show. Oh, wow. Uh, just to see if I could get, get some uh, fun stuff there. And uh, it, the lock competition had just started back then in the middle of that season, actually, just kind of uh, impromptu. Let, let's take a listen.
3: At the suit. Mark Sessler. Three <laughs> and oh. Whoa. We are flying with the locks now. And the comp—we put we put it into the safe. We spin, you know, the wheel thing, or like the what is it? It's like a circular.
6: It's almost like a, a pirate
3: ship wheel, almost. Kind of like a. We spin the pirate ship wheel lock, and then we
5: leave it there. And then we go get it on on Saturday. Don't night.
6: need to think about it again. Spin the
3: pirate I gotta wait wheel till lock.
5: Sunday for the Steelers. <laughs> Bad job! I should have picked uh, the lock that was on Saturday. I, Poor showmanship. No yep.
3: lollipops today, anyway. You're no Liberace, Greg. But uh, (laughs) anyway. Song silent type. You know, we. It's true. (laughs) Man, uh, Liberace comes up a lot on the show. Um, And great to hear, Chris, of course. And, Greggy, to think just think of all the joy and like the Grinch coming down from the Mint Mountain trying to kill the lock segment.
5: Shame on you. That's part of the fun. I just like we were still talking showmanship. Yeah. Uh, back then. <laughs> Six <laughs> years uh, ago. There were the so many little moments. Ago. He called me the, the strong and silent type, which was a, a running joke. And the, the whole thing, it was it was nice to, to, nice to hear his voice. I remember we were in the studio that night. Yes. Uh, always good to hear Chris, especially on Christmas Eve. Uh, Layal
3: Collins, by the way, went out with a knee injury. Keep an eye On that, their offensive line really crumbled Cincinnati after that. Hmm. Okay, let's move now to Soldier Field where the Bills, you know, they know that Cincinnati's breathing right down their neck as they try to lock up home field advantage in the AFC. Time to take care of business against the Bears.
2: Josh Tate's going to keep it, going to try to run it himself around the right side. Josh heads to the end zone. He is in. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen runs it in from three yards out. Touchdown, Buffalo Bills
3: the Bills did get it done. Maybe not as easy as they expected at least early on, Uh, but in the end, Devin Singletary, James Cook, both had long TDs in the third quarter. Allen scored, as you heard, and Buffalo coasted to a 35-13 win in one of the coldest games ever played in Chicago. Yeah, I should mention that as I tee up Mark Sessler here. All across the country, just hideous weather, um, and luckily, we're not traveling this week, but Um, These games, some of these games really were impacted by the weather. One of the games, Tennessee and Houston even had to be pushed back an hour because of a power grid situation. Uh, Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, get into it, uh, Mark. How did the Bills win this game?
6: I think the weather uh, had a real effect on this, as it did on a lot of these games you mentioned. I they just weren't really the same operation through the air it wasn't it wasn't like completely visible to the eye that they couldn't move the ball josh allen through the air but like what really what stood out to me today was because we've you know midseason we're kind of questioning the balance of the offense like if they needed to could they really run the ball in a situation and do it without a major issues and today was the day where i, mean, I think we've seen that bubble up uh especially allen against the dolphins i thought had a big day at another 41 yards and that touchdown we just heard today so that's part of their offense right now especially in weather like this but it was Devin Singletary you mentioned 106 yards Mm. James Cook 99 they had 254 yards at 8.2 yards per carry off 31 of totes and what I loved about it was the two touchdowns you mentioned was like they were just really looking for an explosive spark and Back-to-back drives, you get Cook and Singletary blasting for long touchdowns, and it really just put it away. On the flip side, the reason I thought, you know, we've seen these Bears hang in these games, and it's always been about Justin Fields. They had a good plan for Fields. Um, they were dealing with it. Uh, they, they have nothing in their offense from, through the air, and so it's him or nothing. And he had, when the Bills at one point were up 21-0, had 181 yards, Fields had seven, and he finished on the ground with 11 yards off seven carries. So if you're going to take that element out Whoa. of Chicago's attack, um, see you later, Bears.
5: Bears still got a chance for the number one pick, uh, by the way. They're only half a game uh, behind. They've quietly the, kept the number losing one. the last two months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. They, they're close every week. And then, I, look, the Bills clinched their third straight AFC East today. That's impressive. With two weeks to go in this division that we were saying looked like the best division in football, they end up being the class of it by far— it, always say how hard it is to like be the best team year after year. And, and we look up and here it is, it's the bills in the chiefs again. And, and you nailed it, Mark. I mean, being able to run to win is really important for them. And it wasn't like those running backs loaded up on like 50 carries. It was 12 for one Oh six, 11 for 99. That That's a really good sign for them.
3: That is for a Chicago fan base that know they're going to watch a loss. And I don't know how many people, I'm sure there were a lot of uh, empty seats there, but the temperature kickoff was 9 degrees with a minus 12 wind chill, only 3 degrees warmer than the record low for a Bears home game. And it's their coldest road game for Buffalo by temperature since at least 1967. I mean, what causes people to go to these games?
5: I I, I respect it, but it does strike me as a, a, a whiff of madness. There were a I ton of it- empty seats. There were a ton of empty seats in Foxborough in Cleveland and I assume in this one Mark but I didn't really check out this one
6: I didn't track the seat scenario um that closely to be honest but I will say the I thought one you time were professional.
3: I professional what, what happened
6: well there's a lot going on like the one time I do recall getting um like tangible I wouldn't know if it was like deathly frostbite but I couldn't feel my toes even like in the middle of the night it was the first game I ever went to was a week 15 Chiefs Giants game in East Rutherford New Jersey and it was like this kind of temperature and it was like what I had the same question as you Dan what am I doing here
3: There is, as anyone that grew up in the Northeast knows, if you go to a game at Giant Stadium in the 80s, 90s, into the 2000s, and it is a late kickoff, a 4 p.m. kickoff, and you are on the side of the stadium that is in the shade, you are going to suffer for many hours. And I'm sure you were on the wrong side of the stadium on that day, my friend.
6: Well, I'm a child. I'm not, you know, you can't like have whiskey and do things that would warm up the body. You're just sort of left out to dry.
3: Right, exactly. All right, let's move to Charlotte, uh, where the team of ATL look to keep things rolling against the Panthers fighting for their playoff lives in the soggy NFC South. Uh, this one did not go to plan. Trips left. The snap.
2: Screen pass. Back to DJ. He's got the five. Reaching toward the end zone. Ball comes out at the end. Touchdown, Carolina. DJ Moore. And the Panthers lead at 30-7. to we're about 24 minutes and 12 seconds away from a game against Tampa next week with first place in the division on the line.
3: Whoa, whoa, what? Good call. Whoa, whoa, what? Do we have a Greg Rosenthal? Whoa, whoa, What? 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 <laughs> DJ oh, no. Moore with the score there, but this was about the running game for the Panthers. Deontay Foreman ran for a career high 165 yards and a touchdown. The Panthers had a franchise record 320 yards on the ground. And they defeat the team around the NFL, 37-23. Greg, how do you give up 320 yards on the ground in this spot? It felt like Why a moral- is the sad the sad <laughs> ATN music team of ATN music is back? No. It felt like a moral victory.
5: What? 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 (laughs) What? 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 It was 2.40 at halftime. I got to Google what's the all-time record for rushing yards in a game. I mean, they were on pace pace for it at that point. Never good. Yeah, never good. (laughs) I mean, five plays, 78 yards on the first drive, and they were all runs. The first play of the game was a 35-yard run, and they were just huge holes for Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard to run through and bad tackling in the secondary by the lines. And it started that way. And you just, that that happens sometimes. And you figure like, oh, this is going to get under control. And it, it never really got under control. The Panthers set a franchise record Uh, with that rushing total. Uh, But they also set a franchise record just for yardage. I mean, they've been around a while now. 570 yards is a lot. And Sam Darnold, when he had to make a play in this game, made a lot of high-level throws. They just destroyed this team, uh, the Lions' defense, at least. Not not offensively, but it was crazy. The Panthers had seven runs, to your point, Greg, of 20 yards or more. Uh, And the Lions
3: had been very stout against the run defensively in recent weeks. They had been averaging... Uh, just 84 yards rushing ga- uh, per game in the last five weeks. Uh, and then Foreman and Hubbard both go over the century mark in the first half. So, in the mark, first every- half?
5: What, yeah. It the, the, the first mark. time that had happened in any game since uh, D'Angelo uh, Williams and Jonathan Stewart. It's insane.
3: Yeah, and, and Mark, I guess this is – we'll see. We'll see what this means for Detroit. Is this uh, another game, by the way? Temperature is 20 degrees a kickoff, wind chill of 9 uh, maybe this is a dome team that, that just, uh, bit it, but, uh, we'll see if they bounce back from this. This seems like a pretty humbling loss.
6: Well, I think golf splits, uh, you know, at home versus, um, not only on the road, but like when he's been outdoors are unbelievably, um, varied, like he's not the same person in this outdoor weather. And so I do wasn't have a question. Was his
3: box score awesome in this game? Well, I' don't I'm, say, I'm yeah,
6: coming he, into this coming into this game like his like yeah. literally ninety percent of his production has been like in indoor weather, and so I mean, I think that helps them the way they're built too i I mean t- to me it's like I, I'm not sure the Lions they've been so improved, but like they were kind of due, I thought, for a step back at some point. I mean, I'm just surprised by Carolina being able to dominate this way. They've been really hot and cold because they had 64 yards rushing against the Bengals. It's like, all right, well, that plans out the window. Then the next week they put up 240 against the Falcons on the ground, then 36 against the Ravens, then 185 against a good Broncos team, then today. So it's like when it works, they're essentially unstoppable. But then the next week they completely (laughs) – S the bed, so I'm not, you know, it's like I don't know who to trust in any of these situations
5: Right, they're going to play the Bucks no matter what happens on Christmas and they, they are a win, in a win-and-in situation if Carolina beats Tampa next week, they are in first place and, and then they could clinch the division I think Dartle makes a huge difference the way he's playing, he's played the cleanest month I, I think of his career maybe he had some more spectacular moments with the Jets but he's just made good decisions and he wasn't like the headline here today, but there were a couple spots in the game where they needed a throw, and he made some really high-level throws, and and they needed to keep scoring because the Lions offensively were fine in this game. Goff, I thought, actually played... Pretty well overall. They were stopped inside the ten yard line twice, once on downs with I think it was a batted pass, and once they fumbled a snap on a first down. You know, they put up three hundred and eighty yards and twenty three points. Like it it was really their defense had had no hope in this game.
3: I'm happy for Sam Darnold who's getting another Dino. shot at this NFL thing after a horrendous start to his career. And we are it is within the realm of um uh, reality here that Sam Darnold starts a home playoff game. Uh, this this could happen. Tampa Bay is not a team to trust. Keep an eye on this because the Panthers now, and I know they, it was a disappointing loss last week against Pittsburgh, but to bounce back like this, uh, that is pretty impressive. They had 500 yards in this game, the most ever on the coldest day that they uh, in the history of that stadium. That's I, I
6: really hope that Steve Wilkes gets a legitimate, real chance to continue as coach because I, I think this is one of the better interim runs there's been.
5: Yeah, you wonder if they like lost two straight, whether it would happen. But today it felt like, man, I, I think he's going to keep wind up uh, keeping this job. I did notice Dan Campbell, like I thought he blinked at one point. There was a a fourth and one at his own 36 and they had been moving the ball well and that was a play that they've gone for in most situations all year right before halftime and he decides to punt it away and his lousy defense ends up giving up points in that situation anyway. You didn't see the the aggressive call from Dan Campbell on a a day they needed to, but it wouldn't have mattered.
6: I just, and and by the way, I do see that Goff had a major box score today. I was more mentioning that like coming into this game, it yeah. did it was one question about the Lions because they've been so explosive at home that like ha, can you go win on the road in a big spot you know Well they're well, home next week against yeah. the
5: Bears and then they might be on the road week 18 that could be the Sunday night game in a cold weather situation against Green Bay all is not lost for a team of around the NFL they had been on a run here but if you win these last two games you're probably in the playoffs
3: Yes just that we're going to stay positive here I don't like giving up um, 320 ground yards in a game. It makes <laughs> no. me nervous that they've been exposed in a profound way. Uh, but well, we're going to Well, it's gonna not going to happen faith. again.
6: They're not going to do that again. Not exactly, at least.
3: Right, right. All right, let's take a break, and we'll roll through the rest of the games.
0: 5G device coverage and access details at TMobile.com.
1: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble, set a budget and never gamble with money. You can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call one 800 gambler four seven, or go to
3: helpmygamblingproblem.org
1: for free confidential services.
3: All right, there is, welcome back. We have a, a three-team race atop the AFC uh, trying to get that number one seed, the all-important buy and uh, home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. We know the Bills won. We knew the Bengals won. How about the Chiefs? Did they keep pace against the Seahawks?
2: Kelsey, three-point stance to the left. Here well, comes an inside know, blitz. Mahomes reads it, moves to his right, keeps the ball in his right hand, trying to stay alive. Dies for the far front pylon. Did he get it? Did he get it? Are they going to give it to him? Touchdown! Kansas City all precincts finally reporting, and they give it to Mahomes on another rushing touchdown—the twelfth of his career—and the Chiefs have broken it open at 23 to three.
3: Whoa! Is that was just the twelfth rushing
5: touchdown in Mahomes' career. That can't be right. Is that right? It feels like they all were to win the game, though. It's crazy.
3: <laughs> I think
7: so.
5: Uh, Patrick Mahomes, with Jalen
3: Hurts out with an injury, has a chance here uh, to really uh, put the MVP race uh, in his favor. And he got it done today, throwing two touchdown passes, no interceptions, adding that rushing score that you heard. And the Chiefs do take care of business and move to 12-3 with a 24-10 win over the fading Seahawks. That was Mitch Holtis, of course. Uh, for WDAF. And uh, Greggy, yes, another, is this another KC just kind of grinding their way through these things? What, what did you take out of this game?
5: That their defense needed to step up. I really wanted their defense to show me a little something more, and they did for the most part. It was a lot of stopping the. Seahawks on fourth downs like in their territory the Seattle could not finish drives they turned it over on downs three times and G- Gino threw a red zone interception so that was a four times they were inside the 40 with zero points to speak of but Chris Jones was dominant uh, I think he's second in the league in terms of interior pass rushers and, and pressures he had four quarterback hits Uh, Legereus Sneed uh, was really good against DK Metcalf when he was lined up against him, And the defense kind of just did what they needed to do and waited for the offense to put him away. They're going to get the one seed here if they can just win a couple division games against Denver and Vegas. I think that's huge because in the AFC, in theory, Buffalo, Cincinnati, like you don't have to play two of those teams. You would only have to play one of those teams if you can get the one seed.
6: I mean, was this another um, miniature – I don't want to overemphasize it, but but maybe come down to earth or step back for Geno Smith because what I kept seeing early on was that on key uh, fourth-down plays, he was throwing short of the sticks that created two turnovers on downs, and they I think they had three or four of those situations in Kansas City territory where, you know, I, I know they're compromised. Like Kenneth Walker looked – it seemed like he had a better game today, but you don't have Tyler Lockett, and it's just like – They're not able to—this isn't the same environment that Geno Smith was sort of thriving in a month and a half ago, two months ago.
5: No, this was one of the coldest days in in Kansas City um, in Arrowhead history, too, which is maybe why Mahomes' numbers were pretty low, and and they struggled at some points. But, yeah, they're not protecting him. I think Charles Cross, their tackle went out of this game, the Seahawks tackle, and uh, Geno was getting hit. Geno was missing Lockett, and you're right. They kept throwing it like eight yards on fourth and nine, and it was killer. Greg, let me get the the calculator
3: out. Help us out, Um, because obviously I'm confused about it. So the Giants are in great position, even with the loss still. Uh, What what does
5: the rest of this NFC wildcard field look like right now? Well, it's pretty simple. With the Commanders lead, they're only half a game up on Detroit and Seattle. Seattle's got the tiebreaker there, but that's all they got to do is make up one game in two weeks, Commanders, Lions, Seahawks, maybe the Packers in that mix.
6: Well, there's also the fact that if there's if those two get Seattle and Detroit get tangled, that insane game from earlier in the year that Seattle won forty eight to forty five, they win the head to head over Detroit too.
3: Um, if you want a real positive sign for the Chiefs, that's the first time in ten games. Uh, this season that the Chiefs did not commit a turnover. That's kind of been a little bit of an issue for him this year. So cleaner football, Harrison Butker, clean things up. He's been off this season. So we'll see where they're at as we finish out the regular season. And by the way, Andy Reid um, on Christmas Eve was given a gift uh, by his team in the locker room uh, Listen (laughs) in.
7: Hey, hey, hey. Thank you. May hey, you
2: all get a gift as great as this? Cheeseburgers in Paradise, man.
3: So the game, uh, a wrapped gift and it was a cheeseburger in the box. Uh and uh because he likes cheeseburgers because he's Andy Reid. Do you what percentage of the locker room mark do you think got the cheeseburgers in paradise uh callback to Jimmy Buffett like 1977?
6: I think it still gets played pretty widely at, you know, pubs and things like that. I think you could still have heard it in college in various um you know, pubs and taverns, maybe. But I'm with you that it's it's an Andy Reid reference. It's dated. Andy Reid was probably talking about it, you know, 30 years ago. So, uh, yeah, you're aging yourself. So my one little takeaway was if you go back earlier in that interview when they gave him the box, they wrapped it and everything, and he shook it violently. And so I was like, I we knew it was a cheeseburger. I'm like, that thing is going to be in absolute tatters when he ultimately opens the... The, the packaging, and it was completely fine. So it's like I someone must have speared it um, from head to toe so that it wouldn't get you know ramshackled.
5: It was a classic spear scenario on yeah. that cheeseburger. A That's a good situ- gift-giving. Great work. Great work by Travis Kelsey there, spearing the, the burger. <laughs> great work by Mark, noticing that and then commenting it on the podcast. <laughs> well... <laughs> Let's
3: That's move to Baltimore, here. where it was also very cold. Man, it's nice living in Southern California sometimes. It's 73 degrees today in California. <laughs> no joke. Watch the games outside.
0: Huntley out of the shotgun in the empty backfield. Lobs in the back of the end zone. Looking for Demarcus Robinson. He makes the catch. Touchdown, Ravens. And the red zone drought is over. A terrific touch pass from Tyler Huntley to Demarcus Robinson in a backfield side of the end zone and this crowd is happy for the first time this afternoon
3: hey it hasn't been easy for the baltimore ravens on offense for a while now Uh, and it wasn't easy again but they did get it done jerry sandusky with the call wbal tyler huntley threw uh first half touchdown pass to demarcus robinson the ravens defense did their job Kept the Falcons and Desmond Ritter out of the end zone. Final score 17 to 9. 10 wins, Mark, for the Ravens. They're going to the dance and um, another game without Lamar Jackson, but they've won two of the three without him now. Yeah, I mean, this
6: would be another team I'd point to where the defense could quietly be like, excuse me. Um, Attack, please start to operate on a in somewhat functional level. I mean, they're just getting by. Like before that Demarcus Robinson touchdown, they ran the ball eleven times. They really are very one dimensional. We I think we know that about them. Outside of Mark Andrews, you're getting like guys with 14 yards on the entire day. They just don't have anything there right now with DuVernay also out and Rashad Bateman. But it was their defense. Their defense is marvelous, and it kind of makes you think like Marvelous. You know, if they if they're gonna win an ugly marvelous. playoff game, you could do it with this defense, marvelous. I think. All right. I wish I had not used that word, but like they, they basically clipped, <laughs> they clipped the Falcon. This looked like also, I feel like 90% of Falcons games are exactly the same um, in the sense that they just don't quite get it done on offense. They had four drives inside the Baltimore 20 that resulted in three field goals and a loss on downs. And, and, you know, it was just little moments where Tyler Algio. we know he's been great. He's my guy, uh, but he was stuffed on fourth and goal with Ted six Becker minutes to go. So. Yes, and like he just um, that that to me felt like the game was over. I mean, there was a they, have, they even got the ball back again, and they were down, you know, 17, 17, or seventeen to six, and Desmond Ritter, you know, second game. Got his handoff messed up and kind of clipped Algiers. He was running on a goal, four, second and goal situation. That just led to another field where they just could not punch in touchdowns against a very good Ravens defense. While the Ravens offense, they can run the ball and do very little else. And so this game felt exactly what you
5: thought it would be in this, in this weather. I mean, they are in the playoffs. This was a huge win for them, especially Pittsburgh about that. and They Cincinnati. were very
3: vulnerable, Greggy. If they would have lost this game, things would have gotten very walky. So good for them, and they get they to enjoy the Christmas. They are an
5: uninspiring playoff entry right now, though. I, I mean, I, I I hear you, but to me, you throw Lamar back in there, and it's a different world. I know their offense had struggled with him, but I just mean in a playoff situation. Let's say right now, the playoff matchup would be them. Uh, spoiler alert at uh Jacksonville uh at the AFC South champion and if you're the you're the Ravens you're like okay we can party with that but you're right they they feel like they're back in 1999 here's here out of their last uh six games here are five of the scores 13 3 10 nine 16-4, 3 13 17 nine these are just like these are boring Did you say
4: 164. That can't be right.
5: 16-14, (laughs) 16-14. Yeah, against the Steelers. 16-4 would have been fun. Sammy
6: Watkins had a 40-yard catch in this. I think I was killing him on Thursday's show, so credit to him.
3: the whole um, marvelous thing, Sometimes I feel like the Ravens' defense gets gets a pass, and we forget about some of those marvelous meltdowns they've had this season. Like yeah. to see them in a big spot uh, down the stretch, and maybe in January playoff where they need to get a stop and get it done. But in general, they have. If this defense hasn't been as good as it's been for most of the season, they're five and ten instead of ten and five. That's how kind of off this offense has been for much of the year. So
6: what well, they've given up over twenty points once since. Mm. Uh, early November. And even going back then, it was just low twenties. I think that Roquan Smith is another trade like TJ Hawkins. And some of these teams have made good trades. Like Roquan Smith was a transformative
3: addition for them. All right. And by the way, bye-bye Falcons. Holy God, you are eliminated. And I am so happy because for two years straight, you've been an annoying, boring team that just gets in the way. And now we don't have to think about you anymore. Go figure out who your quarterback is and all that other good stuff. We'll see you in September. That's let's move mean. on. That I don't care. Whatever. Sometimes. Sometimes you just gotta say goodbye to a team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Mark Sessler? Sometimes I it's just do. like later.
6: I do. I think we've run out of um enthusiasm for that operation. It's, Bye. it's time just for getting rid go. of
3: some of these NFC South teams. Bye. Yeah. It's the only All one. Right, let's one go, so Cleveland. Far. <laughs> let's keep doing it. All right, Cleveland. Let's go. Let's go. It's Christmas Eve. <sighs>
2: 4th and 10 to throw.
3: Saints rush 3. Watson
2: standing. standing. He'll pull it down. He'll run but he'll get caught. He'll get tackled. And that is going to be it. Carl Granderson wraps him up at the 25 yard line for the sack. Saints defense answer the call. Merry Christmas.
3: Love that Rankin and Bass Rudolph special. Obviously it's iconic. But watched it every year for 40 years or whatever. I don't know if it's just the changing times, but it's it's getting more and more cruel to Rudolph. Everyone treats Rudolph like a P.O.S. in that special, including Santa himself.
6: Well, it's, un, it's unfair because, I mean, in general, Rudolph has a pretty heroic uh, resume of saving the holiday once or twice, so I don't know why you'd need to be dumping on him. I think it's jealousy.
3: Jealousy, I think, and there's an arc, obviously, to Rudolph that pays for pays off for him in the in the special itself. But I think some people have to look in the mirror um, after that adventure. <laughs> um, all right, so <sighs> Mike Hoss, WWL, uh, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, both score, and the Saints um, make a stop late to get a 17-10 win over the Browns. And just like the Falcons, later brownies, lay gone. They're also eliminated from contention, Mark, uh, a game that they had a lead here, didn't they? They had a 10 nothing
6: lead. And we're talking about the third coldest game in the history of Cleveland football. And you're playing a team from New Orleans that oh, operates inside a dome. On. And who was tougher down the stretch? The Saints were. I mean, in a Saints defense, it's been really hot and cold. So... I look at this, and I think this is one where you know, this assumption that Kevin Stefanski um, escapes unhindered from this year's disaster. I, I, I would point to two possessions, the final two possessions for Cleveland, that it's 17-10 in the fourth quarter with about six minutes left, and they have Watson throw the ball on essentially second and two and third and two, and they're both incompletions from Watson. Just another di- op- show of disjointedness inside the attack. They get the ball again. All right, it is second and 10 and third and 10 from the New Orleans 15. And then this time, Watson hits Donovan Peoples Jones, catchable ball. David Njoku, catchable ball. Both are dropped. This is happening to Cleveland kind of week after week. And on fourth and 10, a completely out of his head Watson is tossed to the ground. The game is over. He had 62 yards passing in the first half. If I'm not mistaken, he had the worst passer rating of his entire career in this game. Uh, It's like. He also does a couple things where you're like, I can see the old Deshaun Watson just for a minute or two here, but this game is all about the fact that the Saints decided, they even reported this before the game. I don't know why this would get to the press, but that this was going to be a Taysom Hill game. They were just going to lean on him big time. And that's sort of exactly what happened. I think he had like 85% of their yards in the first half, somewhere around there. And it was not a splashy situation by the Saints offense on any level, but they got enough done. And you're playing a Browns offense that looks way worse than it did a month ago.
5: 110 yards from scrimmage from Camara Camara's had a couple of manly games here in a Great in a game. day where uh the, the Saints only had 244 this was the coldest game in Saints history uh which isn't a huge surprise in of all the cold games here this week this was the coldest so the passing game numbers uh are not surprisingly low uh but this Game which I watched the end of, there was no one in the crowd, Dan. I mean, I don't blame, I Nobody. don't blame them, but it was so cold that there had to have been less than five thousand fans there. Mm-hmm. I would guess by the end of that. But I that want to game. know about those five thousand. <laughs> right, They well,
6: were all of them going to be literally frozen.
3: I mean, how do you not? How do you not take the names and numbers of every fan that went to this game and send them a Rolex or something because they are. The diehard of the diehard. If you're one of those fans that are listening to this game, wherever you were in these sub-zero temperatures, I have so much respect for you, but I'm also wondering what's going on in the bigger picture of uh, your
5: life. Um, Saints are still alive for, for one more week. They got some bad luck when the Eagles lost that game that means the Eagles will be playing next week, their starters, and, and have a lot to play for, uh, assuming that against the Saints. And they they could knock out the Saints then. But the Saints uh, stay alive for one more week. And it was hard not to think about how they had swung and missed for Deshaun Watson. They really thought they had Watson, and they didn't get him. And then they end up ending in season.
3: Right. And yes, if the Bucks lose tomorrow, they're playing tomorrow, right? Yes. They are yep. playing the Arizona Cardinals in primetime tomorrow. Three way tie at six and nine. Nice. Let's move. It's Christmas Eve. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Up next.
5: A blast.
3: A blast. We got one more. Is this it? Let's go to Nashville, where it was cold as hell there, too. Two o'clock start. What?
2: Davis gets the snap. Looking, stepping to his left. Mills throwing to the end zone. Caught by Brandon Cooks. Touchdown, oh, no. Houston flag is down, but the Texans take the lead. And this should stand as a touchdown the to legal Cooks. use
6: of hands
2: to the face. Defense number 20. Uh, that penalty's the climb. All the play is a touchdown. And so, the Texans uh-oh. have the lead. 19-14. 2.52 to go in the fourth, and they're going to go for two right here.
3: That is a man that I don't think we've heard this year. Mark Vandermeer, K-I-L-T. Maybe once we heard him. Yeah, we heard him once, and now twice. You know, Justin, um... And good for the Texans. But let's get the sad Hard Knocks music on. Because let's... Because you just got beat by the Texans. At home. Which I said
4: Eve. was going to happen on our preview show. I, said and we, I all
3: said, we all said it, it felt like it could happen. And it did. Davis Mills threw a six-yard touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks. Yes, with 2.52 to play. The Texans snap a nine-game losing streak by beating the Titans 19-14. As I said, this game was delayed because of power grid issues connected to this vicious cold snap across uh, the country, really, in many parts. Except for here, where it was 73 and sunny. Um, But uh, Gravedigger, you got 126 and a touch from Henry, but that's a little misleading, too. Well, it's interesting.
4: This is the third straight game that Henry's gone over 100 yards and the Titans have failed to score more than 20 points. They I guess they got to 21 barely on a garbage time touchdown. Um, But, yeah, you usually, you know, common knowledge would say if the Titans can run the ball well, if Henry's successful, then their offense is successful. But it just hasn't been the case. They cannot drop back to pass without giving up just crazy numbers of sacks and with Malik Willis under center plus the Titans are one of the most injured teams honestly like good for Houston I'm glad they got a win I'm happy for Lovey Smith this Titans season feels like a lost season with all the injuries that have happened and I'm not even like super upset because I kind of accepted it a couple weeks ago.
5: Yikes well you're gonna have to watch them play the Jaguars in week 18 with a division on the line so I don't care how much you've accepted it that's gonna be a, a big spot for a playoff spot no matter what happens next week in week 17.
4: With Malik Willis starting, and, you know, if we're trying to evaluate, is Malik Willis a franchise quarterback or whatever, he's now started three games. He's appeared in seven games total. He's 31 for 61 on the season, which is 50.8% for just 276 yards. That's 4.5 yards per attempt, zero touchdown passes, three interceptions. And the one thing that we thought he could do really well, no matter what, run the ball. He only has, I mean, he has 27 carries for only 123 yards and he scored his first touchdown today. He honestly hasn't looked like that great of a runner outside of that nice touchdown run today. And, you know, he looked pretty good as a runner in the preseason, but he hasn't shown it in the NFL. And I know his supporting cast is so banged up and his like best receiver is a rookie in Traylon Burks. And he was down three starting offensive linemen today but I don't know. He doesn't
3: really look like the guy. (laughs) Absolutely brutal. I I, I can't, I can't believe it happened, but as you pointed out when we were uh, texting back and forth, Justin earlier today, you know, in addition to, a lot of bad losses, these injuries, and the roster wasn't deep enough to handle it this year. And they just have went into a tailspin. And what I was saying about Henry, yes, he didn't have the 200-yard game like he always has against Houston. He had 126, but outside the 48-yard touchdown run, he was held to three and a half yards per carry. So the running game was on balance, uh, not great. The passing game is horrendous, and they didn't get enough stops on defense. Good for Levy Smith, like you said. They have played the Cowboys, Chiefs, and Titans, down to the wire here. They now they get another win. Lovey can make a case here if they finish strong. Like, I ain't got these guys playing hard. Now give me some better players. Give me another year. We shall see.
6: They've been a well-coached team for like a month plus. And and frankly, like I I've been on Mike Rabel all year long as coach of the year. Not the case now. I like Justin. I don't know if this is like my thing is when I'm watching Tennessee and the way that Houston just ripped down the field on that five-play touchdown drive to take the lead. I know they didn't get the two-point conversion. It's like I, I know they're banged up. All sorts of teams are banged up. It's been worse for Tennessee, but I don't see a team that like, has the same identity they had six weeks ago. And I, I don't know um, if it's ever coming back because the general manager that crafted that, that was his entire vision, has essentially been told, we don't want your vision. You're out of here. You have no idea what's going to happen with Ryan Tannehill. The team could look completely different. They need to restock on offense. Like This could be a completely different looking offense than the one that we've been used to for three or four
4: years. I hope so. It needs to be. At this point, this version of the Titans has run its course. Henry's only going to be another year older next year. Tannehill has no mm. guaranteed money on his contract next year. And the Texans get a win and maintain the top pick in the draft, which is
3: kind of nice for them, I guess. Here's the good news, Justin. It's Christmas. That's Merry Christmas. Christmas. That's the cue for the Christmas music. Um, we're going to sign off now. We have uh, one more game that's being played tonight, Las Vegas at Pittsburgh. Um Mark, you locked up the Steelers. Yes, Greg, I did. Greg did not come clean with us or the audience
5: that he had locked up the team of ATN and took the loss. So, what do you mean? Did not come clean. Well, you try to hide up it from to, us. To Graver, I forgot. I, I mean, I, I didn't I forget. Believe, I believe <laughs> you hid it from the audience. That's the host's job. Well, I
3: did. I brought it. Like uh, Woodward and Bernstein, I had to bring it up from uh, deep
5: within. It was my gift. It was my gift to you, to uh, Justin, to Mark. Let everyone back into the the competition. Give you just a big
6: paralleled yourself to the two men that broke Watergate. Essentially, I don't get the, I don't see I, the I compared the myself to there. Santa,
5: one of the great men out there. Well, you both have issues. I have to say this. Um,
3: everyone, it really doesn't matter what you celebrate. Have a great holiday. Um, Have a great weekend Um, Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah What are the holidays we got going on All of them Celebrate it with your families Thank you to everybody for listening We'll be back on Monday With two shows A recap of the remaining games Ahead of Monday Night Football And then Greg's MNF recap With the great Jordan Rodrigue Wow That's a big Monday Thank you to everybody for listening and you boys, have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. Merry Christmas and to you too, both and to all listening. Justin Graber. Love everybody. Happy Xmas. War is over. Heed the call. Now, that's it. Now it's, now it's time to begin Christmas.
6: we allowed to use this music?
3: I don't know. Probably not. Don't tell any shadowy league figures, uh, Sydney. <laughs> that is it for... Christmas Eve edition of the uh, Around the NFL podcast. Thank you to everyone (laughs) who, if you're watching on Periscope, Merry Christmas. That's a good job by you. Happy holidays. (laughs) Across the globe. Yes. So thank you very much for listening. Happy holidays. uh, Merry Christmas. Greg, Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) Thanks. And uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Uh, Until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, and New Money Behind the Glass.
1: Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services.
7: Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.